I always love to hear Joe say that word. I don't know why. What's up? Chicago. Chicago. It's a good word. <laughs> if you're from the Midwest, that's like, you know, that's just the way you say it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. You guys seem like you ate a little turkey this morning, maybe. You awake today? You ready for this? Okay. Thanks, Chris. So I got to tell you, a couple of weeks ago, uh, actually more than a couple of weeks ago, a few weeks ago, Ryan asked me to, to come and, uh, and bring the message this morning, and I was pretty excited about it. He said, you know, do you want to do acts? Do you want to do gratitude? And so I was like, oh man, I would love to talk about gratitude. And uh, so I'd been preparing and thinking about it for a long time, <laughs> and then two weeks ago, um, I was uh, working, as I do, and... Uh, I, I tend to be a little bit of a workaholic. You can ask my wife about it. Uh, you know, the, the work just never stops. It never ends. And uh, that is a good thing, and it is also a very difficult thing. And so uh, in a period of time where I was pretty stressed out and uh, was in some difficult physical working conditions, uh, I messed up my back. And so for the last two weeks, I've not been sleeping well. Uh, I can't, I can't, sit, I can't stand, like everything hurts. It just doesn't feel good. And so I found myself becoming less and less and less grateful uh, as the days went on leading up to Thanksgiving, which is a perfect time of year to be grumpy, right? Yeah, not so much, not so much. So I've been battling this thing. I finally, last week, I got in to, uh, to see chiropractor, PT, and uh, he's like, oh, your back's pretty messed up. I'm like, yeah, you think? <laughs> it was not. Yeah, I'm like, okay, fine, yeah. Uh, he actually said, uh, we could chop onions on your back. It's so tight. I'm like, well, okay. I don't know why we would do that, but that's, that's a good word. So I, I come this morning talking about gratitude needing to hear a word from Jesus about gratitude because I'm just not there. And, and I think it's okay to acknowledge that, to be aware of that in our lives. I don't know about you, but sometimes I look around the world and I'm like, where, we, where has gratitude gone? Are, are we grateful? And I don't mean like, oh, I have friends that do the whole, you know, 30 days of Thanksgiving on, on Facebook, you know. If you're not old enough to be on Facebook, be grateful for that because you've got to look at everybody talking about what they're grateful for and you're like, no, you're not. Come on. Are you really thankful for that? Uh, that might just be my cynical spirit. Um, but I have a feeling maybe one or two of you out there are like, yeah, I'm not buying that. Uh, and it feels like the world around us just, man, ungrateful ungrateful these days. It feels like fear and chaos kind of rule instead of that spirit, instead of that attitude. Uh, it's tough. And I think as people who follow Jesus, I, I, I think maybe we should be concerned by that. And not by others, but by our own ungratefulness. I'm concerned by my own ungratefulness, as I have already shared so I want to look first at a, at a psalm. This is Psalm 69. David's talking, and, and he's sharing exactly how he's feeling as he feels chased and, and away from what he thinks God's plan for his life is. He's, he's running from people who are after him. 
and he's wondering what's going on. I've chosen a translation this morning that's a little bit different because I just want you to hear his words. I want you to see his pain in words that you and I would use this morning. So don't be, don't be tripped up by that, but just look at the spirit of what David is saying in Psalms. I also have to confess, uh, before we jump into this, that uh, I did not send my sermon to the right people this week. So there is nothing on you version, and that is my fault, not anybody else's fault. It's all me. I'll take the responsibility for that, and, uh, and I'll continue not sleeping well tonight because of that. No, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm actually feeling a lot better today for some reason, so maybe Jesus is here uh, with us and, and helping that out. So let's take a look at uh, Psalm 69, 1 through 4 first, and it says this, God, God, save me. I'm in over my head quicksand under me, swamp water over me. Uh, Have you guys seen that meme where it says, uh, if you grew up in the 80s, you thought quicksand was going to be a much bigger problem because of everything you saw on TV? Yeah, exactly. This is kind of on those lines. Uh, He says, I'm going down for the third time. I'm hoarse from calling for help, bleary-eyed from searching the sky for God. David is looking for God everywhere, and he cannot find him. I've got more enemies than hairs on my head. Liars and cheats are out to knife me in the back. What I never stole must I now give back. Like David is in a spot here, and he recognizes this, and it feels like his life is on the line, and he doesn't know where to turn. He's wondering what is next. The first third of psalm, this psalm is talking about this. It's just David pouring out his concern over what's going on in his life. The second third third is all the things his enemies are doing while he struggles. And this is a little bit amusing, but but it's also a little bit serious uh, what he's talking about here. So let's look at verse 10. It says, When I poured myself out in prayer and fasting, all it got me was more contempt. When I put on a sad face, they treated me like a clown. Now drunks and gluttons make up drinking songs about me. And me, I pray, God, it's time for a break. God, answer in love. Answer with your sure salvation. David's like, all they do is make fun of me. I can't do the right thing because they're after me, and all they want to do is make fun of me. In the final third, he changes the whole tone of the psalm. And he starts to say... God, I have confidence in you, and I'm going to worship you in spite of everything that's going on. So let's look at the last couple of verses, 30 through 33. It says, Let me shout God's name with a praising song. Let me tell his greatness in a prayer of thanks. For God, this is better than oxen on the altar, far better than blue ribbon bulls. The poor in spirit see and are glad. Oh, you God seekers, take heart. For God listens to the poor. He doesn't walk out on the wretched. That's a big deviation from where he was just talking about drunks making up songs about him and wondering if he's going to be drowned in quicksand. He's pleading with God to do the right thing by him, to do what he thinks is right in his life. And really, this is a blueprint for our lives. This is David showing us how we can take our own troubles and turn them in to worshiping God, into praising God, 
into having that attitude of gratefulness. But here's the thing. It's got to be genuine. It's got to be real. It can't be that fake, I'm so thankful for. We've got to find that place uh, in our lives, in our hearts, that the, the gratitude is real. In 2005, a song came out by a group called The Mountain Goats. Great, great band name. Uh, if you're into band names, The Mountain Goats. Uh, it's called This Year. And uh, this is uh, the chorus. It says, I'm going to make it through this year if it kills me. <laughs> it's great, right? We can identify with this. Like, this might be the worst year on record, but I'm going to make it, darn it. I'm going to grind and hustle and groove and make my way through this. I'm going to do whatever it takes. This is not what builds gratitude in our lives, right? right. Does hustle build gratitude in our lives? Maybe, maybe, most of the time not. See, if the end goal of our life is constantly pushing and, and driving and striving and trying to build success out of nothing, that becomes our ultimate pursuit. That pursuit takes over every part of our life and pushes out all of the other abilities to see the gifts that you've been given. We miss the point. The pursuit becomes the idol instead of the means to the end. It becomes the thing that we're trying to get more than anything else. And then that translates into our lives with other people. Then instead of seeing other people in pain and sitting with them, understanding where they are and hearing their stories, we say things like, oh, but aren't you grateful that Mayo is located here so that your cancer can be cured? Ah, aren't you grateful that you have other kids who aren't sick? That's like the nice way of saying, well, at least you're not dead. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, that's very nice. It's not nice. It's not nice at all. That's, that's the opposite of gratitude. That's where we live, where we try to push other people to say the right thing instead of understanding that they are in the middle of really tough stuff in their lives. That's us denying our own need to see the gifts in our lives, to see the true places where God has met a need in our life, and just putting a Band-Aid on it and saying, oh, I'm so thankful I'm not dead. It's not enough, right? It's not enough. It doesn't meet the needs of our soul. I'm not rebuking you this morning. I'm saying I recognize this in my own life. I'm trying to put a Band-Aid on my needs instead of allowing God to shine a light on the places where he is active in my life. This week, I had to allow some friends to help me with a couple of things, which for me is a very difficult thing. My personality, I want to be the one helping everybody else. I think you guys have heard me talk about this before. I'm pretty sure I've talked about it before. I want to be the one who's meeting other people's needs. When I have a need, that's a big problem <laughs> in my life. I hate that. But I found myself watching other people do stuff for me and just being moved to know that they cared enough to show up and do that. It was incredible. And 
My problem is in that moment, because it's so rare for me, I have a hard time expressing how that feels and what that means to me. It means I need practice. I need to work on that muscle a little bit more. And why? Why? I'm going to suggest three things. And, and I want to make it clear this morning, we're talking about the difference between gratitude as a lifestyle and gratitude or thankfulness as an, an idea, okay? So there are, there are two things there. There's the idea of being thankful, and that's a great thing. That's a good thing. That idea, that thought, is what is going to start us on the path to actually making action in our life. But what we're talking about this morning is living gratitude as a lifestyle. So this morning I'm going to call it uh, gratitude action so that it's very clear for us. It's not just gratitude as the thought. It's gratitude in action. So the, the first thing that we miss is that lack of gratitude action feels like rejection. See, when we aren't grateful to the people in our lives, it feels like we're rejecting them. When somebody comes to you and gives you a gift card and says, hey, um, you know, I know you've been going through some things or, you know, I know that, that you have a family. I would just like to bless you and, and send you to get a dinner together and just to have a nice evening. If you were like, awesome, take the card and walk away, that doesn't feel like gratitude. That feels like Rejection. In, in our households, when you help out with homework, does it feel good when your kid's like, uh, I don't know how to do this math problem, and you sit down for a half hour and you struggle with it and you work through it and you help learn together? <laughs> Is this microphone just driving us nuts this morning? <laughs> it's driving me a little nuts. Do we just want to switch to a handheld? Because I'm happy to do that. This is how I talk on Wednesdays anyway, so. Thank you, Ryan. Nice work. Everybody. Yeah. <laughs> All right, this is going to be much better. Much, much better. All right. When we're sitting down to do that homework, and, and our child doesn't respond, it's like, ugh. Right? Come on, I just gave up time for you. In our families, when, when, we, uh, when we put ourselves out there and we do those things and we take each other for granted, doesn't it feel like rejection? Yeah, of course, of course. Second thing, lack of gratitude action looks like arrogance. I, I, think, I, I think I'm very uh, guilty of this, if I'm honest. I think that there are a lot of times when um, somebody comes and does something and I'm not paying much attention and I'm busy and I'm doing other things and I miss that moment to respond with gratitude, I I think I look arrogant. Uh, Maybe other people have mentioned that once or twice in my life, but I think that's what happens. And we don't always mean it. Sometimes we just miss the moment, right? Right? But when we become more aware, we start to see how these things creep into our lives when we're not living with gratitude. 
Finally, lack of gratitude action is the opposite of Jesus living. I think sometimes we've been tricked into this thought that gratitude is like an option. Like we could choose to live with gratitude or we could choose to live without it. And that's true. But the two things I just talked about, rejection and arrogance, are what happens when we choose to live without it. When we, as Jesus followers, choose to live without gratitude, it's not pretty. And I don't think it's what God calls us to. I don't think that's the purpose that God has laid out for our lives in front of us. In fact, I think what God has called us to is much more like Colossians 3. And here Paul is talking about um, how gratitude is lived out in the life of Jesus' followers. And it's funny because I, I was looking this up this week uh, or in, in previous weeks and, and throughout this week, and there is so little talked about this except for one little chunk, and I'm going to highlight it for you. He actually talks about being thankful in the middle of this, and he talks about it twice. But there were some words used that were a surprise to me. And as a Jesus follower, who's probably read this passage multiple times because it's used all over for different things, talking about love especially, I was surprised by what is highlighted. So let's read this together. It says, since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowances for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace. And this is the spot. And always be thankful. Let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. What is gratitude? Uh, One psychologist says it's recognizing that you don't deserve what's been given, so you treat the giver and the gift with increased value based on the gift. That's gratitude. It's not just a thought. It's not just an idea. Uh, The word that, that Paul uses there in the middle where he says, and be thankful... The word that he uses for thankful also means gratitude. But both the Latin and the Greek roots come from the same word that means grace. And this is what I don't know I had ever uh, absorbed into my life. Thankfulness is almost entirely equal to grace. Gratitude is almost the same word as grace. In Latin, it's a combination of gracia, which is favor, and gratis, which is pleasing. So this favor that's pleasing. In the Greek, it's a word called the eucharistoi. You might have heard that word, maybe, uh, or used that word in, on a Sunday morning. Does anybody recognize that word? Yeah, yeah, Eucharist. If you're not a church person, that also means uh, what we take on a communion Sunday, right? 
Gratitude is remembering the life of Jesus. It's our way of remembering and showing gratitude for Jesus. And this same word is the word that Paul is using for our lives. When we live together, when we live in harmony together, when our actions are bringing us closer together, he's using this word of communion. We're living the life of remembering who Jesus was, remembering that Jesus came and died, remembering that Jesus rose and cares about what's going on in our lives right now today, remembering that God loves us so much that that was his plan for for life. Gratefulness is a remembering action. It's not just responding in the moment. It's remembering everything that you've been given. It's remembering the importance of your life and the life of the person who's giving to you or the God who's given so much to you. That's a big thing to remember. That's a lot to carry. But if we think about gratitude in this way, it shows us the depth and, and the power that's behind that gratitude. God has given you that gift, and that's how deep that gift goes, that your gratitude can spring out of that well. Uh, Andy Stanley has a good um, quote about this. He was talking about how he meets with these very powerful guys, and, and Andy's the leader of a, a mega church, and so he gets to meet with CEOs and, and uh, people who are in charge of big companies and, and really important places, and they'll talk about, about um, their lives and, and how it's such a struggle to lead these large organizations and also be a part of their family, to be an integral part of their family. And this is what he says. He says, you love your kids in your heart, but you don't love your kids on your calendar. And the calendar is what counts. The calendar is what connects. The calendar is what communicates what you feel. He's saying, listen, you do love your kids, but if your kids don't know it, then it means nothing. It's the experience not your feeling. It's the experience that you're going to share together with them, not just the feeling that you have. And, and this is where we struggle. It's where I struggle, right? I go for the cheap gratitude. I go for the easy, you know, wow, but you know I love you, you know, but I got to go. Problem is when we cheap out on gratitude, it doesn't build character in us. It doesn't build that muscle in our lives. It short circuits. It creates that short pathway to say, if I just say the right thing enough times, they'll know it's true, and then I won't have to do the right thing. And then that just builds and builds and builds, and pretty soon we've forgotten that there is another way. We've forgotten that there is a deeper way to connect with the people in our lives. And then... We just don't live with gratitude. Jesus demonstrates the principles, I think, that, w- 
he's calling us to in Luke chapter 17. And this is a good story. Uh, earlier in the chapter, it says that there were a group of, of 10 lepers who were living. And if you don't know what lepers are, it's this pretty serious disease. And if you got it, it, would, it was very contagious. And so you would have to live outside of the city. You couldn't live where any other people were. And so basically you had to live with other lepers. And there would be these colonies of people living together, which is why there's these 10 guys all together. So as Jesus is going along, he meets these 10 lepers. And instead of running away from them, Jesus makes himself available to them. And it it says in there that an unusual thing was going on, that there were both Jewish and Samaritan lepers living together. And if you don't know stories about Jews and Samaritans, they didn't like each other. I mean, they hated each other. If they had any choice, um, they not only would not associate with each other, but like when Jewish people had to walk to certain areas, they would walk miles around Samaria so that they didn't have to possibly run into a Samaritan. I mean, that's a deep-seated, long-winded dislike of each other, right? So these people are so shunned by their society that they are willing to live together because it's the only people they got. That's pretty impressive in itself. They've built a community out of a shared experience of pain, right? And this is how they're living their lives. So it says in Luke uh, 17, 15, uh, these guys were sent away. Sorry, I missed a little part here. I'll go back. Uh, these guys came to Jesus, and, and he heals them by sending them away. He says, listen, uh, you're going to get healed, but go show yourselves at the, uh, at the synagogue and tell them what's happened to you. Okay? So there's 10 of them. He sends them on their way. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus shouting, praise God. He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, didn't I heal ten men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? That's a pretty legit question. And Jesus said to the man, stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. In this moment... All 10 men were fixed. I think there's a difference between fixed and healed. And Jesus intentionally in this moment uses the word healed with the 10th guy. He didn't just get his condition fixed. Jesus says, you recognized what was important here. You are healed. This man had every need met in this moment. Now, we don't know for sure what's going on with the other nine. Maybe maybe they were just as grateful, but they just didn't think about it. Maybe they were distracted by the group and by by their joy at being fixed. But we know for sure that this guy returned to Jesus to say, I recognize that you've done something incredible in my life. And I can't help but turn around and show you the love that I feel because of that. 
this guy is so moved by what's happened in his life, by the change that's come about in his life, that he lays down every idea that he has about the Jewish people. He doesn't care that he's supposed to hate this guy. He doesn't care that, that, this, that these attitudes go back over years and years and years. He knows without a shadow of a doubt that he has met God in this moment. And he can do nothing but turn that around and say, thank you. Thank you. I had nothing. I was on the road to ruin before you. And here I am, whole and clean and awestruck by this moment. The other nine had their circumstances fixed. The tenth had his whole life healed. Paul talks about living out of our heart. And we think of heart as in how we use it now, emotions and feelings, and how we kind of say, oh, don't live by your emotions. But Paul in this is not talking about your heart in that way. He's speaking about your heart as the center of your entire life. The heart is what brings together your mind and your soul and your body and puts them all in one place and says, this is the essence of how I live. And this 10th guy is using his heart, his entire body, mind, and soul to react to Jesus. This is what Jesus calls of us. He says, give me your heart, your whole being, everything that hurts, everything that aches, everything that's broken. Give it to me and I will be gentle and I will heal it. I'm going to give you the life that you didn't even know you were looking for. You were trying to heal your circumstances. I want to heal your whole purpose. I want to find the real you inside of there that's waiting, that's dying to come out. That's what Jesus is doing in this moment. So there are three things that gratitude does in our lives. First, gratitude actions are the basis of love. It's exactly what Paul is talking about in Colossians 3. Doing gratefulness shows that we accept and appreciate the free gift that's been given to us. First, our gratitude to God, and then turning that out and turning that into gratitude for people. I know that there are a lot of us here who are looking around the world like, why should I be grateful for the people around me? They yell at me. They're angry with me. They're telling me that my views are all wrong. They, they might as well say they don't love me. This is the reality of the world that we live in, right? And it doesn't feel good. I get that. I get that. The problem is this. Jesus calls us to be in that relationship, to cultivate love and gratitude exactly for those people. Jesus calls us to the Samaritans in our life, to the people that we think we ought to hate, to the people who treat us bad, 
to the people who don't appreciate us. It says, are you grateful? I want to be grateful. I want to be grateful for even the hard stuff. But it's hard. It's hard. And when we're doing it alone, it's dang near impossible. Look, you've got to have other people in your life who are encouraging you, who are loving you, who are reminding you of what God has done in your life and the gratitude that's available because of, what's God, because of what God has done in your life. This is what you're invited to, not to be out there alone feeling like you've got to love all the unlovables all by yourself. That's not it at all. Second is this, gratitude actions are born out of true humility. This Samaritan understood. He was, th- this, this disease, this leprosy, was going to kill him. He had nothing left. He was living in this community, and that was going to be the last people he was ever going to be with for the rest of his life. That was it. It was over. And in this moment, he'd been rescued from that. He'd been rescued from being alone, from living a doomed existence. Listen, you and I have been rescued from living a lonely, doomed existence. Yes. Amen. A hundred percent. And we forget that. I forget it all the time. When I'm struggling with students at AMP, I forget that we are not alone. I forget. But man, God has called us to love them. They're hard to love sometimes, right? If you have teenagers, you know, you get it. They make things difficult, but they also make things beautiful because they see things that sometimes we forget. And they are worthy of God's love just as much or even more so than we are as adults. Yeah, I said it. I like teenagers better than adults. Sorry. (laughs) Not in a weird way. Listen, your coworkers, your family members, your fellow commuters, they need, they need your gratitude. They need your love. They need you to reflect the difference that Jesus has made in your life. Finally is this. Gratitude actions are the everyday life of Christ followers. It's hard to live with gratitude every day of the week. It's real hard. It is so tough. But it's what we're called to. It's who God has called us to be, is to be people of gratitude. I, I, I want to be on that journey. Listen, I am so much more satisfied when I can live with gratitude and not be chasing all the things of the world. I want to finish by telling you a story. And I struggled with whether I should tell this because I don't tell it to tell you how awesome I am because as I've already said, I I will count myself the least grateful person in here this morning, okay? (laughs) Like I, I get that. But I think we've got to recognize the places in our lives where we start to see God move 
and we say, no, that's it. That, that's what it's supposed to be. Because you need that encouragement to know that, that even when you feel at your least grateful, God is still alive and active and at work in your life. You are not the worst person in the world. God is doing something with your life. So you guys know I work with motorcycles. I work with motorcycle people, which is a whole experience. Um, and, and over the winter, we, I go to California twice a month, and we hang out at the racetrack. And it's, it's, it's interesting for me because it gets me away from this uber-competitive side of motorcycle racing. And it's just these guys who just like to ride and hang out and be together and the, we've got this garage and it's big and there's like 10 people who come and, and they hang out for the weekend. And almost every time I'm there, somebody says to me, you know, I love coming here because we just get to be together and we get to hang out and I get back to enjoying life and my bike <laughs> and my friends. And I'm like, that's it, Right? right? That's it. That's what God has called us to. He hasn't called us to walk around going, oh, I got to do this Jesus thing again. I got to live this life and I got to figure out how to do it the right way. He's called us to live with joy, with real gratitude that creates a place where other people want to be. Other people want to be with Jesus because of what he's doing in our lives. We have kids who are inviting people to AMP, not because we're great, but because those kids get it and they know that Jesus loves them and that Jesus loves the other people in their lives. I am super grateful for that because they are living exactly what God has called them to be. They are living with gratitude. That is our challenge this morning. God, such a big thing for us to recognize where we miss you in our lives. This morning, I pray that we would see what you are calling us to, that you are calling us home to the place where we belong the most, and that we can celebrate the beauty that you bring to our lives that we can bring to other people's lives. God, I pray that you would make this community a community of gratitude and of thankfulness and of love and of welcome. God, bring us to that place this morning. Welcome us to your home.